Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. All right. So today on the podcast, we've got Mike Richardson, and we're going to talk about agility before, during, and after COVID. Yes. So (laughs) some of the main topics are agility as a business imperative, bringing agility to small and medium-sized businesses, uh, the mid-market void, as we call it. We're going to talk about filling that void with the recurring series here that we're going to do on agile conversation flow to cash flow. And we're going to talk about the agility challenges of CEOs, executives, and managers running small to medium size and and especially fast-moving businesses. Yeah, this is going to be so great. And I just want to take a moment and introduce Mike properly. Uh, Mike Richardson specializes in the agility. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Mike, you know, Mike's a great guy, and and he, uh, for a long time, has been specializing in the agility challenges of CEOs and executives running small to medium-sized enterprises at MikeRichardson.live. He shares insights at the intersection of his agility experiences in three worlds. In the real world, he started his career working as a petroleum engineer on offshore oil and gas drilling rigs with Shell International, and now studies other everyday agile leaders in the real world, fighter pilots, Navy SEALs, firefighters, and others. In the business world, via an MBA at London Business School, he went into the aerospace industry and ended up running the aerospace division of a British public company, Spirits PLC. In the advisory world, for nearly 20 years as an author, keynote speaker, facilitator, coach, and board member, including 15 years as a CEO peer group chair and speaker with Vistage Worldwide, Wow. Mike's first book is titled Wheelspin, The Agile Executive's Manifesto. And his second book is a work in progress titled The Five Roles of Everyday Agile Leaders, Cracking the Agility Code for CEOs, Executives, and Managers of Small to Medium-Sized Enterprises. Mike, welcome to the Indigo Podcast. (laughs) Yeah, so good to be here. I'm so excited. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, so this is our kind of introductory episode with Mike Richardson, where we get to learn a little bit more about him, get to learn a little bit more about his perspective on this thing we call agility and agile. And it's going to be great because as we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode, we're going to start doing some recurring episodes with Mike and it's going to be wonderful. So with all of that being said, let's uh, launch into this first part. And what we're going to talk about here is Mike himself, you know, the 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 why the what the who the how the where the when of Mike all Richardson. the W's that's all right of them. all the W's <laughs> and, and yes all the W's plus the how and uh, I guess let's start with this why you know when you your focus in your writing in your speaking in your consulting in your executive leadership has all been around this idea of agility and agile and I'm just curious man like why why are you so passionate <laughs> about this topic. Well, I I guess because I felt the pain. Um, You know, I've sat in the seat of of being a a CEO, an executive, first of all, and then a CEO, and then a divisional CEO of, you know, mid-market, small to medium-sized and fast-moving businesses. And, you know, I had a lot of people coming into my office, um, you know, offering their, their services. 
sometimes the big consulting houses, um, sometimes the smaller sort of training and coaching and consulting organizations, sometimes academics, um, and sometimes, you know, practitioners. And what I discovered was that it was very hard for them to relate to the challenges that I faced every day. How did I fully fill the shoes, fully fill the seat, if you like, in the driving seat of a small to medium-sized and fast-moving business? And I just increasingly felt that there's something missing. There's a vacuum. There's a void. I'm an avid reader, you know, I've read all the, all the primary books, I've listened to all the speakers, I've tried to join up all the dots as best I could, and I just felt there were some dots missing. And so I felt, you know, dedicated and passionate to figuring out what those other dots were, joining up the dots to make the whole picture, and that's what I've been passionate about for nearly 20 years now. Wow, wow, that's fantastic. And so... Uh, if that's what you've been, you know, passionate about, tell us a little bit more about that. What this idea of agility and agile, your focus, what is it? How do you define that? Yes. So, you know, um, agility is the ability to adapt. Clearly, we're all very familiar with that. Charles Darwin said it's not the strongest. It's not the most intelligent. It's the most adaptable to change who survive. Uh, so we're all very familiar with that, and we can pick up any business magazine any day of the week and, and, and or blog, and we'll see people talking about, you know, be adaptable. But frankly, in my experience, that is a massive oversimplification. It is incredibly complex because it's not only the ability to adapt, it's the ability to out-execute rapidly changing circumstances, just look at the environment we're in right now, and out-execute your competition, and out-execute the expectations of your various categories of stakeholders, of course, your customers, first and foremost, but equally your employees, so you keep the best talent, equally your suppliers and your supply chain, so that you get the best service and the best price and, and the best support, and of course, your shareholders and, frankly, your debt holders. The last thing you want is that phone call from the bank at just the wrong time. So it is massively <laughs> it is massively complex to get that agile execution equation right. And um that's you know that's the challenge that I focus on is is how do you do that as an executive as a manager as an executive as a CEO of a small to medium sized and fast moving business it's very complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like somebody gets on LinkedIn and says, "Hey, buddy, I got the solution for your business. Why don't you just suck less?" <laughs> <laughs> you know that yeah. that doesn't help. I want to suck less. I realize yeah. I don't have the stuff. What yeah. What do I do? It's, or, or here's a book on boxing. There's Mike Tyson. Why don't you go get in the ring? Like exactly. that, that doesn't that doesn't help. No, exactly. And you know, I love the inspiration and the insights that we're surrounded by. I love it all. But frankly, my uh, experience is that for your average CEO and executive of, of the kinds of businesses we're talking about, all this stuff is very hard to relate to, not least of all because they just don't have the time or the headspace to read it all, digest it all, distill it all, and figure out, what do I do with this? How do I translate it into terms that are relevant in, in my business? And even more importantly, how do I facilitate my team to get into traction with it all? 
And consequently, they kind of shrug their shoulders and, and kind of resign themselves to, well, I'll just do the best I can. I'll go with the flow and hopefully everything will be all right. Yeah, yeah there's, you know, there's a real appetite for there is. some practical guidance here. You know, people are literally starving for this. But every time they go out into the primordial ooze that is the agile landscape, it's terrifying. (laughs) It's terrifying. Yeah, Yeah. it's overwhelming. Uh, And frankly, not least of all, you know, the big guys, the big consultancy houses are constantly pushing out, you know, research data. They're pushing out the latest book. They can get the cover article in the big magazines, the Harvard Business Review, anytime they want, because they have that kind of, you know, influence. And it's good stuff, but it's 30,000 foot stuff that doesn't relate to my day-to-day reality. Um, Even all the classical training and consulting and coaching organizations, one of my very, very, very favorites, by the way, is Dale Carnegie. I've worked with Dale Carnegie for 35, 40 years. Uh, so much so, actually, that one of my uh, clients that I've been working very closely with in the last couple of years actually won the global international. That's silly, isn't it? Global and international. What am I saying that for? Uh, <laughs> the global uh, annual Dale Carnegie Leadership Award. They issue one per year. Even Dale Carnegie is trying to hitch its wagon to the agile train. And I don't I don't have a problem with that. Um, good luck to them and do everything I can to support them. But it's just adding to the confusion, in my experience, that most executives and CEOs experience in this expanding universe of insights and inspiration about Agile. They're left kind of like looking around them thinking, what do I do and how do I do this? Yeah. You know, you you describe this vast landscape of people in consulting and in various aspect, aspects of business talking about agility and talking about agile and so forth. And I think you're right. I see it all the time. I see it on LinkedIn. I see it in publications. Uh, so that kind of brings us to, all right, well, there's this huge landscape. You know, Where is Mike Richardson in that landscape? Where are you? Who are you in that world of agile? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I kind of how I got here was, you know, I, I, I think, as you mentioned in the intro, I actually started, I'm, I'm a scientist, first and foremost, I studied geophysics at, at university, which is geology, physics and maths. That serves me well now, actually, because um, geophysics is everything from the very center of the earth to the very edge of space and everything in between. Um, so that serves me pretty well to wrestle with the whole of the agile challenge. That was natural training uh, to get into the oil and gas business, which I did as a petroleum engineer with Shell International and spent a couple of great years working on uh, drilling rigs onshore and offshore. And again, I now look back on that experience and realize now that I have the vocabulary for it, I realize what I learned about agile. And, And that's where I ended up talking about what I call everyday agile leaders. These are leaders who face the agility challenge every single day in a real-world environment like a petroleum engineer on an offshore oil and gas drilling rig or a Navy SEAL or a firefighter or a a fighter pilot, or both of you know this because you've both got military experience. Um, You know, you live that challenge every single day. 
And you know how you're doing with that challenge at the very least at the end of the day, possibly at the end of the next hour, possibly at the end of the next minute, possibly at the end of the next moment. It is black and white clear to you how you are doing. Are you influencing uh, things? Are you in control of chaos or is chaos in control of you? Trouble is in business, it's a lot harder to know you know, how are we doing? And often it takes weeks, months, quarters, sometimes years to play out, by which time it's too late. So um, after I did uh, my stint with Shell for five years, I, I did the classic thing in the 80s. I, I decided I didn't want a technical career for the rest of my life and I needed to pivot. There's an agile word. And so I, I pivoted via an MBA, a full-time MBA at London Business School for two years, which was a blast. Didn't teach me much about agile, by the way, now that I look back on it, but it did give me a good grounding. And I was scanning around looking for what I wanted to do next. I nearly got into the automotive business, uh, but I, I got into the aerospace business really through chance. Uh, but I am so glad that I did because once again, I learned so much about agility uh, in the design of fighter planes, the training of fighter pilots, uh, commercial aviation, defense and space. And um, I did that for um, through until the early 2000s, uh, by which time I'd relocated to the USA. I'm English originally, American now, live in Southern California. And, um, you know, 9-11 happened, the dot-com bubble burst, the technology boom crashed, the markets crashed. And uh, in 2002, I decided to take the leap to follow my passion. And therefore, for nearly 20 years now, I've been uh, pursuing this agility uh, challenge and uh, loving doing it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I love your story. I love the, you know, the real experiences you've had along the way and so forth. I'm not surprised that you didn't learn much about agile in <laughs> in, in business school. <laughs> you know, as a professor myself teaching some MBAs, I, I try to, to to do a little bit of that to try to bring that into uh, the conversation. So so maybe things are a little bit different now, at least in my classes. I don't know. But um, so great. So you that's a good picture of who Mike Richardson is, which kind of brings us back full circle to, you know, kind of why, why is this, uh, why do you see this big need for more agility in our businesses, people being more agile in their leadership approaches and so forth? Well, I think, you know, the, the main focus I have is when, when I was sitting in the seat and facing the challenge and feeling the pain uh, of not being very agile and the, 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 you know, the rewards of discovering agility. Um, I was really, you know, able to identify with the challenge kind of from the inside out. And then in the advisory world, of course, for the last 20 years, including, as you mentioned, being a, a peer group chair with, with hundreds of CEOs and speaking to hundreds of peer groups around the world about agility, as an advisor and obviously sitting on boards and coaching and consulting and speaking and writing and all that kind of stuff, you know, looking at the agility challenge from the outside in, kind of living between those two, those two worlds, what I realized was that the real key is to focus on who do we need to be as executive, as managers, executives, and CEOs in the equation of our agility so that I can flick a few switches in my brain and walk into the office 
differently this morning. And in with me comes a different agile presence. And as a result, I'm able to influence chaos, influence, you know, this concept we call VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, influence all of those things so that in the next minute, the next hour, by the end of the day, I can feel good that we had an agile day today, not a fragile day. Uh, and we control, we influenced chaos today. We didn't have chaos influence us today. So it's really about who uh, managers, executives, and CEOs need to be in the equation of their agility to influence the unfolding journey that they're on every single day. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit of a gut check and some soul searching that people got to do, it sounds like. It is. And uh, looking in the mirror. And, uh, you know, when I'm in front of groups of, of CEOs in particular, I love to sort of hold up the mirror metaphorically and say, look, um, you are simultaneously the problem and the solution. Uh, and if we can get you to flick a few switches in your brain and start to, to act and think differently, then we can gradually align the rest of the organization with that enterprise wide and enterprise deep and essentially change your future, uh, change the trajectory of your future, change the journey of your future, have a more agile future and a less fragile future. Yeah. yeah, because these CEOs are coming in, some of them, right? And and they're just sick to their stomach. They're sick to their stomach when they go to bed. They're a pain in the rear for their spouse. Um, <laughs> they come in, you can see them just sadly turning the key to their car, opening their garage, driving to work, powerless to affect, because they, they don't know, like this, this is something, these are behaviors that you can learn, ways of thinking that you can learn so you can be empowered. You talk about being fragile. You know, it's like, well, how are you doing today, CEO? You, we've got a big grin in our face when we come in. And like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and then a total ER moment. But but we're smiling because we know what the other side of that journey looks like. You, you can get there, guys. And I've lived in both places. I truly have. I I identify with those days when I'm I'm feeling worn out. I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling empty. I'm feeling beaten up. I'm scared stiff. I'm worried, you know, to a high level of stress. And then I catch myself. And I remember this is all in my head. This is all in, in my body, as it were. If I can flick a few switches and change my mindset, first of all, and then having changed my mindset, I regain my access to my skill set of being agile. And then in regaining my access to my skill set, I regain my access to my tool set, things I can practically do today. I'm a big you know, believer that we don't feel ourselves into acting better. We act ourselves into feeling better. Mm -hmm. So what can I do today to get back in the seat, to get my feet back on the pedals, to grab the steering wheel and to start driving in an agile way? Uh, so I've lived there. I, I still have days like that, clearly. No one is immune from this. Uh, but I also have great days. And I couldn't agree more with you, Chris, with what you've said. Um, the, this whole concept of agile is just mired in myths and mysteries. 
And so what I like to do with people and we'll be doing in, in, you know, in these podcasts as we go forwards uh, is we'll be exploring the myths, the mysteries and the magic of Agile. And when you're stuck in the myths of it, when you're stuck in the mystery of it, you wonder, how will I ever get to that other side? And yet when you do get to the other side and you look back, you realize, my, my gosh, how magical is this? Things flow. It's still chaotic. I still got you know, a lot to get done, but I'm able to be more composed. I'm able to be more calm. I'm able to be more confident that no matter what disruptive change comes at me, we've got the tools for the job. We've got the skills for the job. We've got the mindset for the job. Yeah. yeah. And you got to actually pick those tools up. Some of you, it's not illogical to be terrified of the workday because you actually don't have the skills or the mindset <laughs> uh, to thrive. And so that that's, that should give you hope, though, because people have actually kind of solved this. You know, um, if you're in Afghanistan and you're on a convoy and you get hit by an IED, we now know what actions on need to look like after studying thousands of IED hits. Right. And it's the same thing here. If your company's going along and look, we just hit a giant IED called COVID-19 and it's blown everything to words I can't say and not get an explicit rating on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> and so everything's blown to high heaven here. And do, the question is, do leaders know what actions on are in these kind of challenges? Now, it doesn't have to be COVID, right? We live in a world that's moving so fast with competitors all over the universe. And we don't even know where that next competitor is coming from. Right. And you should feel terrified if you don't know what actions on look like. This agile challenge, this agility that Mike, Ben, and I, we've done a bunch of engagements together that have been awesome. We know what actions on look like when you face that agility challenge, and, and that's and we need to talk about it. Yeah, and one yeah. thing one thing Mike says uh, on a regular basis that I've heard him say, and you've said it a couple times, kind of in different ways here already, is it's not about the chaos. Like the chaos is gonna be there; it's always gonna be there, but it's about your relationship with that chaos. I love that. Yeah. yeah so it's it's about you know how to be different. Clearly, there's a lot of things to think about. There's a lot of things to do. But mostly it's in the face of this craziness, how to be, you know, calm, composed, collected, and as a result, confident. And, and indeed, um, what I've distilled progressively over the years, uh, you know, by kicking around ideas and thoughts and having conversations and interviewing firefighters, Navy SEALs, fighter pilots, lifeguards, um, commercial pilots, those kinds of folks, and sort of comparing it with my own experience as a petroleum engineer, et cetera, is that uh, there are what I call five roles of everyday agile leaders that I urge business leaders, CEOs, executives, and managers to live up to. And you just mentioned uh, one of the attributes of agility to change our relationship with, and that is chaos. And uh, as you just said, in an increasingly VUCA world, chaos is not going to go away. In fact, it's only going to get worse. So the challenge isn't how do I how do I minimize chaos? How do I deflect chaos? The challenge is no. How do I embrace chaos? And how do I change my relationship with it? And in particular, um, how do I coach my people? my team, my enterprise, to change their relationship 
with chaos because there are two kinds of chaos. There's disorganized chaos where the majority live. Uh, chaos controls them, chaos defines them. Uh, they're lucky to survive the day. They go home worn out, burned out, stressed out versus the other kind of chaos, which is organized chaos. It's chaotic, it's moving fast, but we're in the flow of organized chaos. Those are two completely different worlds. And our first role, one of the five roles, the first role of the five uh, roles of everyday agile leaders is to coach our people from disorganized chaos to organized chaos. And the challenge is that few people have had any coaching about chaos at all. They don't know how to do that. Whereas if you've worked on a drilling rig, or you've been a, a, in the military like both of you, or a, a firefighter, or a lifeguard, or an ER doctor, and those kinds of everyday agile leaders, you know that the difference between organized chaos and disorganized chaos um, is the difference between a great day and a terrible day, and potentially has life and death consequences. And so you get very, very, very familiar with chaos and how to organize it so that you live in organized chaos, not disorganized chaos. And that's the first of the five roles of everyday agile leaders. All right. So let's totally get into those five roles here in a minute. But I think our listeners can start to see why agility is just crucial. It is an absolute imperative in crisis. And you'll always have crisis. So we've covered that. So what does the world look like once we get some agility? Is there an after for us as agilists? That's a great question. You know, I, uh, the reason I like to talk about agility before, during, and after COVID is, is actually, you know, a lot of people obviously here in the middle of the COVID crisis are talking about the need to be agile and pivoting to virtual and pivoting their business model in all kinds of new ways. And um, I'm about to do a, a webinar with a commercial airline pilot to talk about, you know, the everyday agile leadership challenges of being a, a commercial airline pilot of a 747-400 or indeed an A380, which he ended up flying. Uh, uh, but he is also an expert in the airline business. And I listened to a webinar that he did the other night uh, with one of the uh, aviation industry bodies talking about the future of the airline industry after COVID. And it's not going to be pretty. It isn't pretty right now, and it's just not going to be pretty. Um, so the challenge is that, you know, we've been talking about Agile forever. And um, certainly uh, for nearly 20 years, because back in 2001, we first kind of more formally started using the word Agile with the Agile Manifesto and and agile software development. Um, but for many people, agile is still a very confusing, confounding concept that they can't relate to. Um, but they know now implicitly here in the middle of COVID that they need to adapt, they need to be more agile. Um, for me, the after COVID thing is a very interesting question because the first question is challenge the assumption uh, will there be an after? Or is there a permanence to a shift here uh, 
where to some degree at least there is no going back. I wonder if that's the case to some degree for the airline industry, for instance, have a whole bunch more people now come to terms with the cost benefit equation of virtual and realize that, you know what, why did I ever used to jump on a plane so frequently and go through you know, all of that uh, rigmarole when I can, I can get you know, levels of cost benefit without needing to jump on a plane? Um, so I think that's a key question for all industries to ask is, will there be an after COVID or to what degree will there be an after COVID, you know, from, from 0%, you know, everything goes back to what it was to 100%, no, everything stays as it is now. Where are people going to be on that spectrum? And as a result, uh, how agile are people going to need to be with their business model, with their organizational model, with their financial model? add all those up, their economic model, uh, and as a result, their cultural model, their leadership model, and their agile operating model for their business. Yeah, I like to think of it as an operating system. If you've got a fluent agility baked into all your models, all of, I mean, you're just, you're like a prime steak marinated and ready to go on the grill as far as agility. <laughs> Medium rare, please. Does it matter the <laughs> challenges that you face? No, because you have an operating system of agility. And, and, there's, and there's a void here that people miss out. Uh, Mike, tell us a little bit about that void. Well, you're so right. And, and that's why I talk about people being in the driving seat of their business. Because, um, and how do you fully fill the seat? How do you fully fill those shoes? Because think about it, in the driving seat of your car, you jump in the car, you start it up, you select gear, and you go. You don't sit there for 10 minutes trying to map out a plan. Well, what if I get to the end of the street and this scenario is happening? Am I going to turn left or turn right? Well, what if I get to the end of that street and I, you know, I come down to the, to the traffic lights and this is happening or that is happening? You don't sit there for 10 minutes and try to map out a plan. On the other hand, you don't just drive off with zero plan and you don't know when you get to the end of the street, are you turning left or right? You get into the flow and you're very calm, hopefully mostly. You're very calm, you're very collected, you're very confident that in the driving seat of my car, pretty much no matter what happens, 99.999% of the time, I'm gonna get where I want to go pretty much on time, safely, and ready for business. So we know how to be in that mindset. We know how to have those skill sets. We know how to have those tool sets because we do it every single day. And what I like to challenge people is with is, so when you park in the, in the parking lot outside your office and walk inside, why do you leave all of that in the car? How do you take <laughs> that in with you? those mindsets, those skill sets, those tool sets, so that in the driving seat of your business, you're able to operate in the same way as you just did in the driving seat of your car. The trouble is that in this expanding universe of consultants and coaches and trainers, nobody's ever really distilled that and filled that void. And that's what my instincts tell me is the void that needs to be filled after all of these years. And that's what we're focused on. 
Yeah. Well, one thing that I really like about your approach, Mike, is that it empathizes with the CEO of the small to medium sized business and other other organizations, right? Uh, it's not that these people are stupid or lazy uh, or or any of that. It's it's that they are pressed for time and they're they're doing their best. These are generally smart people who got in their positions uh, because they had good experiences. Uh, but they need some guidance with regards to this idea of, of agile and agility and how they can actually make it something real in their everyday life. Exactly, exactly. I couldn't agree more with you. You know, one of the reasons I liked working with Vistage for so many years and having 300 plus of my own members and talking to 400 plus groups around the world, probably, you know, each of which had 10 to 20 members in it. So, you know, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 CEOs is these are incredibly smart people um, and, and very successful by and large. And uh, certainly with my own members, you know, they would agree with me when I would often say, yeah, you're very street smart. You've learned stuff the hard way, but you're not very book smart. You've not read all the books. You've not listened to all the speakers. You've not pieced it all together. You haven't joined up all the dots. You don't have time. You don't have the headspace. You maybe don't even have the interest, frankly, because it's just not how you're wired. You're wired to make stuff happen. Uh, but the challenge is if we're not careful, we can be a busy fool. Uh, we're very busy, but we're not putting it all together in a very agile way. And so it, it coming together in a more fragile way, it's more frenetic, hair on fire, seat to the pants kind of stuff. And all we need to do is to bring a little bit more organization to it, and we can start to unlock a next level of agility. One of my favorite questions to ask people, when I, when I hear people give me any indication at all that they are overwhelmed, <laughs> right? They say things like, I'm buried, I'm snowed under, I can't get my head above water, I'm spread too thin. That's all code for I'm overwhelmed. What I like to ask them is, well, are you overwhelmed? Or are you under-organized? Under-organized for agility, under-organized for chaos. You live in disorganized chaos, not organized chaos. Frankly, under-organized for VUCA. You're letting VUCA and chaos define you. So explain VUCA. VUCA is what? Again, VUCA is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. It's kind of a it's a military term that is widely used in the commercial world these days uh, that really describes uh, how uh, change itself has changed. You know, we've always said change is a constant, right? That's an overused cliche, uh, uh, but I'll, I'll buy into that, absolutely. Uh, but, the, but actually change, the nature of change itself has changed. It's now become a VUCA world. We live in this accelerating world of VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And uh, the antidote to VUCA is agile. Uh, but agile remains a confusing, confounding, elusive thing for so many businesses uh, and so many CEOs. And, and uh, we, you, the three of us, myself, we're dedicated to changing that. 
Yes. What's missing here is a distinct pedagogy. Now, if you guys don't know what pedagogy is, go <laughs> Google it. Here I, he goes again. He gets all with these <laughs> fancy words. Here we go. But this is a method for teaching. So when I came to Nashville to be a professional musician, I could listen to any record and I could duplicate the tones and I could rip all the music. But if you sat me in a studio and said, all right, now play a solo that's never been played before on this on this session. I just looked and I was like, man, I don't know. That's the wizardry of session players. But after I'd been in Nashville for a while, some of those session players said, hey, Chris, let me show you how this works. And, th and there is a methodology to be able to go to the studio, say, OK, play a s solo. All right, now play another one. Play five more. We'll have the producer pick later. And, and that seemed like magic to me, but there was a methodology that these pro players in Nashville knew about that, that could get you from not being able to do that to doing the magic. I love it. I love it. And, and in other words, um, you, what you've just revealed, it's a great analogy and a great story, is there's a whole bunch of myths, right? You don't just right. show up and start playing music. Um, it's a bit of a mystery as to how, you know, a bunch of people, musicians could show up and, and just get started and get in the flow and they're immediately in sync with each other, right? And that's a mystery. And it's magical when it happens. You just use the word magic several times. In other words, for the unenlightened, it's an unbroken code. They can't see through the chaos. To them, it looks like, well, I don't understand what's going on here. I can't see the patterns. I can't see the method. I can't see the skills. I can't see the tools. It's an unbroken code. If we can get them to the other side where they've broken the code, they can understand the system, the pattern, the method, then that's a completely different place uh, to live. And next thing you know, they can show up at a studio. Everybody can plug in. 10 seconds later, we're all got, got started and it is just flowing beautifully. And that's the difference. Where do you live? Is, are you stuck on one side that's an unbroken code and it just remains a mystery to you? Or have you crossed over and you've broken the code and now it's magical for you? Yeah, so let's talk about how we're going to do that, Mike. I break this down, you know, break through to the other side of that mystery. And one of those things is just breaking it down into bite-sized pieces that people can eat and begin to understand. And so there's five steps, five attributes that you need to do to change your relationship. And that, and that deals with five rules. So let's talk about these five rules yeah. that you got to play. Yeah, and we, we started on the first one earlier. We said the first attribute of agility to change your relationship with, there are five that I've distilled. And the first one is the most important one, and that is chaos. As we've been talking about in an increasingly VUCA world, VUCA drives chaos. And if you're not careful, it defaults you into living on the side of the unbroken code, which is disorganized chaos. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery as to how you could ever live anywhere else because you kind of have resigned yourself to the fact that's just how life is. There is no other option. This is it. Well, that's not true. If I lived in disorganized chaos on a drilling rig, I wouldn't have been a petroleum engineer for very long at all, or perhaps even worse things would have happened like the BP Gulf oil spill. There is a beautiful place to live. 
called organized chaos. You just gave a great example of it in a music studio. When it's flowing, it's, it's a little chaotic, it's fast moving, but it flows, it's beautiful, it's magical, it's organized chaos, not disorganized chaos. So that's the first attribute of agility to change your relationship with. And you, the CEO, the executive, the manager, have to step up to be the chief chaos coach in your business, coaching your people from disorganized chaos to organized chaos. Because trust me, if you don't, you risk the fact that nobody else will. And you will continue to be stuck in a world of the unbroken code of disorganized chaos, which is going to cost you a fortune in some way, shape, or form. The second one, the second attribute of agility to change your relationship with is if you want to live in organized chaos, not disorganized chaos, then the second attribute has to kick in, which is triage, triage. Now, we've heard that word a lot in recent times because we've heard, you know, politicians on the TV talking about, we don't have enough face masks. We don't have enough, you know, personal protection equipment. We don't have enough respirators. We don't have enough resources to go around. We often hear this in wildfires, in aircraft accidents, in oil spills, right? We have no choice except to triage our resources uh, because demand massively exceeds supply in a real-time unfolding high-stakes journey of a situation like a COVID crisis or an oil spill or a wildfire. So triage is a word that we encounter in those kinds of environments, and it's kind of the most acute form of time management, priority management, focus management, attention management, resource management, frankly, everything management you can get. And the challenge is that where chaos defaults most people to is it defaults them into partial triage. They're triaging like crazy, but they're triaging inside of partial situational awareness. They're only dealing with the very clear and very present dangers and, opportuni and opportunities, the urgent stuff. They're fighting the fires right in front of them. If a fire chief fights a wildfire that way, they only fight the fires in front of them. It gets out of control real fast because if the wind changes and the weather forecast changes, I have to be ready to have staged some resources over there to fight the fire on a new front. And, and if I'm not ready for that scenario until it happens, I may now be behind the curve and I can never get back in front of the curve and we lose more properties, we lose more assets than we otherwise should have done. So. Many, many, many people, unfortunately, get stuck in a situation of partial triage. If that had happened to me on a drilling rig, I wouldn't have been a petroleum engineer for very long. I have no choice except to step up to full triage inside of full situational awareness. One of my favorite sayings from a Navy SEAL that I did a webinar with was he said, yes, maintain front sight focus with whatever you're shooting at and keep your head on a swivel. You need to be sustaining 360 degree situational awareness or you're about to get shot in the back. Um, and so it's the same in business. And the second role for us to step up to as uh, everyday agile leaders is to be the chief triage facilitator 
in your business, facilitating your people from partial triage to full triage. If you don't do that, uh, you risk that nobody else will. And the challenge is that few people have had any facilitation in triage. They don't understand what it is and how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, so that's great. I like this distinction between partial and full triage. I think that's an important distinction because I'll oftentimes come across executives and managers who, who say that they're triaging, but really what they're doing is just triaging for that day or looking at the, the fires that they have to put out, so to speak. Yeah, not drowning. Like my triage means like, I don't know how to swim, but somehow I'm flailing to the top. Every day. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, this idea of, of full triage is gaining that bigger sense of situational awareness and making sure that as an executive, as a leader, you are not only focusing on those things that are urgent, but you're also focusing on those things that are important for the long term. And you're not losing sight of that. Not one thing I wonder about many businesses right now is that they're dealing with these very immediate and very real concerns with COVID and what it is doing to their business and their workforce. And yet some of them, I, I would, would guarantee, are losing sight of the big picture and what's going on in the long term. And also not learning all of the lessons right now that they're going through and not taking that into their DNA, so to speak. Especially when uh, we live in a VUCA world and many of these things coming at us are still very ambiguous. They're very unclear, and they're certainly very unpresent. They're not here yet. But the mm -hmm. trouble is in an accelerating VUCA world, they'll be very present and very clear very soon. <laughs> and if that's when we start thinking about them, we are gonna be behind the curve and it's going to put us back into disorganized chaos if we're not careful. You know, when I was working on offshore drilling rigs, I had no choice except to be simultaneously focused on the next few minutes, the next few hours. Tonight's operation, is everything situated? Is everything good? Is everything ready for this massive, heavy operation that we're running tonight? And perhaps the weather is getting worse, and perhaps some, some machinery is broken, perhaps a supply boat is gonna be late, and I've got to be triaging the next eight, 10, 12 hours, possibly, the second night without any sleep. And simultaneously, I have to be triaging the operation that's going to come right after that. Perhaps in the next three days, we're going to move into a different phase of this well. And perhaps in the next three weeks, we're going to be finished with this well, and we're going to float off and go over and start the next one. I have to be fully triaging that full spectrum of timeline issues. Otherwise, um, if I'm so focused on the long term, but not the short term, Something will go wrong tonight. God forbid, you know, somebody will get hurt. And that will cause me to have to shut down the rig while we, you know, deal with that situation. Mm -hmm. If I'm so focused on avoiding that tonight that I don't order replenishment of the materials I need or I don't situate, you know, the things I need for the next operation, the next operation, the next operation. And let's suppose a, uh, the weather changes, a supply boat is late and we don't have what we need, then I have to shut down the rig and wait. So if my triage goes partial, either way around, I have to shut down the rig and wait. And that is the consequence of poor triage. And so on a drilling rig, it becomes very black and white very fast. Unfortunately, in business, it doesn't. I was on 
I was on drilling rigs for 300 days and nights, and I had to shut the rig down once. And wow. boy, I was upset. I was very <laughs> upset. Um, but it, we, we got into a situation that could have rapidly unraveled and become unsafe. I had to make the phone call in the middle of the night to the duty you know, officer on shore. He agreed with my assessment and said, we have to play safe, Mike. Shut it down. Uh, we'll deal with it in the morning. Um, 300 days and nights once. I was very upset, but very few you know, petroleum engineers, keep in mind I was in my early 20s, very few had a perfect record. But the, the results of my triage became black and white obvious. The challenge in business is they don't. Mm -hmm. um, I can go, I can go, you know, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, quarters, perhaps even years. And the results of my triage don't show up until some way downstream. Yeah. So as an agile leader, you've got to be that chief chaos coach. You've got to be that chief triage facilitator. Uh, what's this next one? Yeah. So um, the third one is um, if you want to be fully triaging, then you have to change your relationship with the next attribute of agility, which is insight. Because in an increasingly VUCA world, there is a lot of insight to gain about new and novel things coming at you that you haven't seen before, uh, new VUCA. And the challenges in business, if we're not careful, we learn way too much insight in hindsight after the fact. 2020 hindsight, uh, often in crisis mode uh, and disorganized chaos. And every time we learn something in hindsight, I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to ask yourself, did I really, really, really need to learn that in hindsight? If I'd been working harder, could I have learned that in foresight, not hindsight? And how do I train my people to learn more in foresight, not hindsight, because hindsight can be hideously expensive and potentially on a drilling rig with life and death consequences. And so the challenge is, um, how do I step up to the third role of everyday agile leaders and be the chief insight trainer in my business, training people how to move from learning in hindsight to learning in foresight, and the challenge is that few people have had any training about insight and how to learn in foresight. They don't know how to do it. And the risk we take is that if we don't step up as the chief insight trainer in our business, we risk that nobody else will, and we'll just be left learning in hindsight very expensively. And so that's the third role of everyday agile leaders. Yeah, absolutely. So. Everything um, that you do is absolutely predictable, right? No, <laughs> that brings us to number four, right? What do we got? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the uh, the thing I like to say is the only unsurprising thing about the future is that it will be full of surprises, <laughs> and so we have to we have to expect and manage the unexpected. That's what it takes to be agile, and when we do that. We can change our relationship with the fourth attribute of agility, which is one of my favorites. We can change our relationship with luck. <laughs> luck is huge in agility, except it's a lot less random than we think. Luck is where preparation meets opportunity kind of thing. Aha. Uh -huh. And if we're not careful, we are woefully 
underprepared. We haven't been learning from foresight. We haven't been fully triaging. And, and stuff shows up and takes us by surprise. We're underprepared and things go wrong. And what do we write it off as? We write it off as bad luck by accident. And unfortunately, that's often where the majority can live. Stuff happens. Sorry, boss, but stuff happens. Well, yes, I'm not saying that you can learn everything in foresight. You're going to learn some things in hindsight. I, 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 but what I invite you to ask yourself is, how do I change my relationship with luck by being more prepared, by doing more work, by thinking about more scenarios, by learning more in foresight? And so I want you to step up as the chief luck consultant in your business. I want you to have all of the phrases, the one-liners, the quotations at your fingertips to consult with your people about luck and inspire them to stay uh, in the zone of luck by design, not luck by accident, which mostly yeah. is bad. <laughs> uh, luck by design can be mostly good. And um, the challenge is that few people have had any consulting in luck. They just don't understand the difference between luck by design and luck by accident. So that's yeah. the fourth role. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of this. Uh, I don't know who said this quote. Maybe one of our listeners will uh, write in and tell us who said this. But it goes something like, luck is a funny thing. The harder I work, the more of it I seem to have, right? And yeah. uh, it's got, you know, I think it's a great, great idea. It, it, you know, it, it takes people out of this, you know, victim mode as a leader, as a, as an executive and says, no, you can have an influence on the world around you and have a proactive, more agile approach towards your life, towards your business, towards the opportunities that may come. That is exactly where we're headed, Ben. And I look forward to talking more about that in the coming sessions where indeed, um, if we're not careful, we are resigned to living in disorganized chaos, partial triage, learning from hindsight, bad luck by accident. We are resigned that that's just the way it is. And we may not use these words, but unconsciously, internally, we are being a victim of all of that. And, and it remains an unbroken code for us. It remains a mystery. Uh, and we think that that's all there is. And yet, if we can get to the other side, we're a victor, not a victim. We've begun to master this. We've begun to take control of this. We're defining chaos. It's not defining us. So that in, is indeed the journey that we're on. And the last... Um, attribute of agility to change your relationship with is what I call journey orientation. And that is getting oriented to a journey and what a journey is and how a journey unfolds maybe a little bit differently than we've been oriented before. Hopefully, the light bulb is already come on, coming on that I need to get oriented to a journey as an unfolding flow of luck, an unfolding flow of insight, an unfolding flow of triage, and an unfolding flow of chaos and how do I be oriented to my journey to keep it in the zone I want to be in of organized chaos, not default into the other zone that I don't want to be in of disorganized chaos? And in particular, how do I, how do I architect 
my journey differently as a combination of macroscopic stuff, which is the big picture, and microscopic stuff, which is the small picture. And so I urge uh, CEOs and executives to step up to the fifth role of everyday agile leaders, becoming the chief architect of their journey. And in particular, changing their relationship with one of my favorite topics to talk about, micromanagement. Mm-hmm. Now, I probably lose your listeners at this point because probably <laughs> everybody thinks that micromanagement has a bad reputation. It's a bad thing, right? We hear that a lot. Well, yes, but there are two kinds of micromanagement. There's bad micromanagement, which is breathing down somebody's neck. Is it done yet? Is it done yet? What's taking so long? And there's good micromanagement. Good micromanagement is thinking ahead, paying attention to the details, asking the what if questions that nobody else is asking, thinking about the what-if scenarios that nobody else is thinking about. On a drilling rig, you have to do a boatload of good micromanagement. You double-check and you triple-check. You pay attention to details, you dot the I's, you cross the T's, you measure twice and cut once. Because if you don't, you're going to learn in hindsight that it is hideously expensive and potentially with life and death consequences. So it's all about architecting the journey, getting oriented to the journey differently, and driving the the journey, the trajectory of profitability and growth, of career and life. And if we live in the agile zone of organized chaos and full triage and learning in uh, foresight and luck by design uh, and good micromanagement, we can drive our business, our trajectory, onwards and upwards where we want it to go, no matter what VUCA comes at us. If we live in the fragile zone of disorganized chaos, partial triage, learning in hindsight, luck by accident, and bad micromanagement, then things can go the opposite way and we can be on a breakdown journey at the very best, a flatline journey full of frustration and uh, and burnout and stress and that's just not a nice place to be so i invite your listeners to uh, to tune in and and understand how to break the code and move over to the other side it's a magical place to be that's right that's right so you've got these five roles being the chief chaos coach the chief triage facilitator chief insight trainer chief luck consultant and chief journey architect and you know what this kind of comes into and I think really supports is this idea that we're going to explore in a recurring series uh, called Agile Conversation Flow to Cash Flow. So what's that all about? And uh, yeah, I, I, tell, tell our listeners about that. So, you know, the trajectory of the journey essentially comes down to the bottom line of the trajectory of your cash flow, right? Your revenue, your profit, and how all of that flows into cash. And if you had a share price, which obviously most of your listeners probably don't, but if you did have a share price, or at least if you think in that in terms of what's your valuation, um, then the real question is what's happening with your share price, right? And if an analyst is following your share price, one of the things they're gonna analyze is the net present value of your cash flow and they'll put some kind of spreadsheet together and they'll dial in some some parameters and variables and factors, right? But they'll deduce from the trajectory of your cash flow, 
what's likely to happen with the trajectory of your share price or your valuation. Now, given everything that we've just been talking about, what I like to do is distill it down to the bottom line for your listeners that what comes first before your cash flow is what I call your conversation flow. Now, don't misinterpret that. I don't mean we just sit around and talk. Notice that we <laughs> call this agile conversation flow. An agile conversation flow is how, how do we have a, an unfolding flow of thoughts, questions, decisions, and actions. And that last piece in particular opens the door to an agile mindset. Agile leaders understand that actions are a part of the conversation. They are a conversation with reality. If only we will get into action sooner, reality comes into the conversation telling us loud and clear what's working and what's not working. The only question now is, are we listening and are we looking or are we asleep at the wheel? So inclusive of actions, and we'll come back to that and talk about agile actions and minimum viable products and 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and testing and verifying and fail early, fail often, fail small, fail cheaply, all that kind of stuff in future sessions, which is at the heart of an agile mindset. But the concept of conversation flow is an agile unfolding flow of your thoughts, questions, decisions, and actions. And how does that trajectory take shape? Because where your conversation flow goes, your cash flow will follow. It's just a matter of time. So what I like to suggest to people is if those analysts are following your share price and they're doing their massive spreadsheet of cash flow, what they would also love to be able to do is they would love to be able to listen in to your conversation flow. They would love to wire your office and wire your conference room for sound because they want to know, are these guys and girls talking about the right stuff? Are they talking about it so that they will be ahead of the curve in organized chaos, in full triage, learning from foresight, um, with luck by design, doing good micromanagement? Or, or am I hearing that they're sort of asleep at the wheel and very soon this VUCA that's coming their way like an iceberg um, is, is just going to put a hole in their Titanic and they're busy rearranging the deck chairs. I don't have confidence <laughs> in these people and therefore I'm going to sell. I'm going to recommend selling their shares and therefore uh, their share price is going down because I predict that where their conversation flow goes, their cash flow will follow and their share price will follow that. So it's going to be a, 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 what we call agile C to C, conversation flow to cash flow. And we're going to make sure in these future sessions that we're helping your listeners think about all the right things, talk about all the right things proactively in their businesses, not reactively. There's a lot to talk about, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. And I look forward to being with you. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic, you know, and I, I that idea of if your analyst was listening in to all the meetings that you're having with your fellow leaders, if, if that's an uncomfortable prospect for you, <laughs> then maybe you need to tune in. Well, wait that. a minute. Let me let, let me pop something in there, Ben. So the thing is, is and we deal with this all the time. If we were able to take a cohort of the CEOs that we coach and executive teams that we coach and have them listen in, a lot of them be like, sounds okay to me. You yeah. know, they actually don't know. But then 
if we showed them a company that was actually having those agile conversations, they'd be like, oh, mm -hmm. man, we were yeah. missing the boat and we didn't you, you, even you realize gotta, it. You got to know what right looks like. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And yeah. we will we will, you know, get into all of that in future sessions and we'll articulate that. We'll color that in. We'll distinguish the differences uh, and we'll gradually paint that picture and join up all the dots for your listeners. It's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. So we've got that coming up with Mike. And then we also have this webinar that we're going to do on September 16th. And we'll post a link to that in the show notes. So you can go check that out. Please join us for that. Mike, what are we going to talk about in that webinar on September 16th? We're going to do a deeper dive into the five roles. Um, chaos coach, chief chaos coach, chief triage facilitator, chief insight trainer, chief luck consultant and chief journey architect. We're going to do a deeper dive. We're going to show some visuals, some models, uh, and invite people to, to flick a switch in their brain and become students of agility to go on this journey uh, from the fragile majority to the agile minority. And we'll, we'll invite them to come along for the ride and uh, they'll learn a lot more about it on that session in, uh, on September the 16th. Looking forward to doing that with you guys. Yes, and also, if you're not already subscribed to the Indigo podcast, you need to subscribe because this is a weekly series we're going to be doing with Mike going forward. So you need you need to go ahead and sign up for that webinar. As soon as you get into the office or you know, you're done with your run or whatever, go sign up for that webinar. You need to register to get in. And then also subscribe to the podcast so you can be aware of these things that we're bringing you know, COVID is wrecking everything. But even why does it take COVID to get people to wake up? You know what I say is like when I when I don't learn ahead of time, I go do push-ups. And 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 some of the listeners that regular listeners know, I say <laughs> if I can't be smart, at least I'll be strong. But That's right, Jack. We actually want to be <laughs> smart, right? I mean, we can do our push-ups on our own time. So subscribe to the podcast so you can get this. This is just going to be more content coming um, out um, here on the podcast with Mike weekly. So we'll have the regular Indigo podcast. And, you know, I we're toying, we'll probably call it conversation flow to cash flow, agile C to C, something like that for this recurring weekly series with Mike. It's going to be awesome. So let's talk about what are some of the stuff we're going to talk about in a recurring weekly series. Oh, there is so much. Uh, there's probably, you know, 30, uh, 50, 100 things to talk about. We're, we're going to start with three of the most important to, to, to get into first. And the first is going to be agile decision making. For me, it's at the heart of that conversation flow to cash flow. We said that's thoughts, questions, decisions, and actions. The hardest aspect of that is, is the decision making piece, uh, illuminated by better thinking, illuminated by better questions illuminated by better agile actions going down the path. But front and center is decision-making. When we assess agility, uh, the number one challenge that typically comes to the top of the list from CEOs and executives is agile decision-making. So we're going to get into that first. Second after that is, okay, now, if I've got this sort of portfolio of decision-making going on, uh, how am I going to be productive in the flow of all of those decisions and all of those questions and, and thoughts and actions that have to flow from there? Um, how do I uh, uh, assure my agile productivity 
productivity is a, is a challenging concept in the best of times, even more so in difficult times, even more so when we need to think about it in agile terms, which uh, we will do. And then uh, thirdly, uh, closely associated with that, is if I want to be productive, I've got to be careful and assure that I'm being mentally productive. Because how many times have we heard stories that people are very, very busy, but they're being busy fools because they're stuck in a mental assumption that they're unconscious of a paradigm shift has happened, and they are looking at a new paradigm world through an old paradigm lens. And so the third concept is mental agility, and how do we make sure that we don't become a dinosaur real soon, and we, we stay fresh, we stay contemporary, we stay out there on the leading edge with the lens we're looking at the world through called our mental agility. Those are the three things that we're going to put at the front end of this on-ramp, and then the other you know, 30, 50, 100 will come after that. Outstanding, Mike. So just thank you so much for being part of the Indigo podcast. I'm so excited about the work we're going to continue doing with you. Uh, I'll let you have the last word. What are some of your final thoughts for today? Oh, boy. I am just so pleased to reconnect with the two of you. We've done some great work together uh, with clients. Uh, we share uh, you know, uh, the same mindset, skill sets, and tool sets. I'm very excited to be doing the webinar uh, on September the 16th with you again, uh, go to mikerichardson.live forward slash webinars uh, to join us there. And uh, can't wait to unfold the conversation flow with you here and help your listeners turn that into cash flow. So thanks again, guys, for having me and uh, looking forward to this very much. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.